Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Big night in college basketball. Some NFL headlines while I was away yesterday with my daughter at the University of South Carolina. Big news over the weekend. Kane's getting a stadium series outdoor hockey game around this time next year. The owner of the Canes helped make that deal happen. Tom Dundon's going to join us live in about 90 minutes, Rod Boone on the NBA. That league returns from the All-Star break to regular season action tomorrow night. The Hornets are not as relevant as a lot of other storylines, although they did leave fingerprints all over All-Star weekend in the form of, among others, Miles Bridges and Devontae Graham. 1-800-849-2761. I got a question while I was gone. DG, why couldn't the Carolina Panthers do for veteran tight end Greg Olson, what the New Orleans Saints managed to get done for veteran quarterback Drew Brees. I will answer that as I pose another question. What piece of advice from Andy Reid did the new Washington coach Ron Rivera utilize as his family recently moved from Charlotte to the D.C. area. This is a pretty cool story. A little uh, chicken soup for the sports soul, if you will. Ron Rivera very recently joined us here on the David Glenn Show and talked about he and his wife Stephanie and their family moving up to the D.C. area, understanding quickly why it is often described as a Redskins first town. Yes, they love their nationals in baseball. Yes, they love their capitals, especially when they're good in hockey. But it has been a Redskins town for as long as I've been alive, and some say it'll always be a Redskins town. Ron Rivera jumps smack dab in the middle of all that. He utilized a piece of advice from Andy Reid. Those guys' roots go back to when they were in Philadelphia together with the Eagles. Andy Reid as the head coach, Ron Rivera then as one of his assistant coaches, Pretty cool piece of advice, pretty cool way to utilize it during the Rivera family move from Charlotte to D.C. 1-800-849-2761. Tom in Wilmington wants to talk about Duke and or NC State as those two get together tonight on the hard court. Kevin in Burlington wants in on the NCAA rules proposal that would allow a one-time transfer with no penalty to all athletes in all NCAA sports. Is it the right thing to do? Will it encourage more transfers? Do you want that kind of roster chaos if everybody can leave whenever they want, or at least according to this proposal, you can transfer one time without the usual one-year sit-out penalty? Should they get more freedom, especially given that those around them have all that freedom already and have for a long time? Now that college sports looks more and more like semi-professional sports, a lot of people say yes, the ACC and the Big Ten, the latest to say they will vote for legislation that allows all athletes in all sports that one-time transfer exception with no penalty whenever that athlete deems that right for them. Tom in Wilmington, welcome to the David Glenn Show. Since he has hoops on his mind, I will remind everybody, Duke has won seven straight games and is playing high-level basketball. As Louisville is struggling with a bit of an identity crisis, in that top three in the ACC tier. And Florida State, I would argue, is putting the pieces together nicely as Leonard Hamilton's team comes down the stretch. The Blue Devils are more like FSU. They are, you hope to get better game to game, week to week. You hope players will understand their roles. You are supposed to do this. We don't need you to do that. Don't be a hero unless you're wired to be one of the heroes. Duke is doing all that right, offensively and defensively. Florida State's getting closer and closer to that. Louisville is either in the process of falling apart or in the middle of an identity crisis as the Cardinals host Syracuse tonight. Just remember that NC State this evening, 
gets the first at three swings at the pinata, the NCAA tournament pinata, if you will. The rest of their resume is good enough that if they can win their biggest games down the stretch, nobody wins all of them, but if you win one, preferably two, out of these three remaining games against Duke and Florida State, you go from the wrong side of the bubble to possibly the right side of the bubble. In a league where 10 schools pretty much already know they have no shot at an at-large bid, you'd rather be the Wolfpack than those other 10. You'd still rather be the top four, of course. You get not only the double buy at the ACC tournament, you're, except in the case of the Virginia Cavaliers, the top three are going to be locks, basically, already are. Virginia is inching toward lock status, but still needs to get some work done between here and there. NC State, of course, is kind of ACC number five. You go 0 for 2 against FSU and Duke this week. The Blue Devils again visiting PNC tonight. The Seminoles visiting PNC on Saturday. Since you have both at home, and they're actually kind of 1 and 2 in your ACC power rankings right now, you got to get at least one. If you go 0 for 2, you join the 10 teams below you at basically being, well, I guess they're going to get into the NIT. And you'd have to win the ACC tournament to grab that automatic bid. And that is not going to be easy given the competition at the top. Tom in Wilmington, welcome to the David Glenn Show. Go right ahead. Hey, Dave. Thanks for taking my call. Sure, man. Um, as a Duke fan, I'm not ready to look past this season, obviously. I think there's a lot of work yet to be done. But I was thinking the other day about the class of, quote, one and done that Duke currently has. And then with Trey Jones, wanted to get your thoughts on who you think might leave yeah. and who you think might be back. I know Kerry's a guaranteed gone top NBA pick. I don't know if Trey Jones' stock can get any higher. I think maybe Cassius Stanley has shown enough to get drafted. I'm looking at Moore and Hurt and thinking they could probably improve their stock by staying, but uh, you know they might get drafted based on potential, but just wanted to to see what your thoughts are. I'll tell you what, man. Uh, Tom Wilmington, you may be a good co-host, or maybe you have your own show, because in all honesty, I'm glad you called me for my 34 years of expertise on these things, but you mostly nailed it there. Uh, I would say that Matthew Hurt, freshman forward, Wendell Moore, freshman wingman, are likely to stay. Why? Because they are NBA prospects someday. They have not had sensational freshman seasons. Are they important pieces of the puzzle? Yes. Can they help Duke do more special things this year? Yes. But are they viewed by NBA scouts as first-round draft picks right now? I don't think so. Uh, and I think they'd be wise to return and turn themselves into. Matthew Hurt especially. If you're 6'10", and you already have the three-point shot part of your game down, which he does, but he's got to get stronger, got to get tougher, got to get better defensively, uh, you're right that they could. somebody could take a, a flyer on him in terms of potential. But I could see Hurt and definitely more staying. Vernon Carey, as odd as this may sound, may not even be a lottery pick. Now, yes, he's going to be a one-and-done guy. I agree with your original, initial assessment there. He is a six-foot, whatever, ten oak tree of a man. And because the NBA game has changed so much and they don't value post players nearly as much as they once did, some people believe Vernon, Vernon Carey could fall out of the lottery. I find that hard to believe, but a lot of the NBA draft gurus say, yes, he'll be a first-rounder, and that is guaranteed millions of dollars. We'll see. I, I, st I still think he'll end up in the lottery somewhere. And then Trey Jones is a personal decision. Some don't think that Trey is an NBA guard. I'm telling you, he's going to play for a while in the NBA. 
He's a lot like his brother, although not quite as offensively skilled. And Tyus is what, five years into his NBA career? Uh, getting playing time as John Morant's back up in Memphis. Trey, whenever he wants to, is going to be an NBA guard. Will he be a star in the NBA? Probably not. Will he be a starter in the NBA? Well, if his brother's not, it'd be hard for him to be a starter on a good team as well. But millions of dollars talks, and I think Trey Jones just has the personal decision. Your description of Cassius Stanley, man, he's more ready than the other guys. Athletically, Cassius Stanley is an NBA prospect. It's, it's like just stamped all over his forehead. He has NBA-caliber athleticism, and his skill set has come along more quickly than I would have guessed. The Cassius Stanley of November would not have been a first-round draft pick. The Cassius Stanley of February will be a first-round draft pick. So most guys, you know the deal, if they're told they're going to be first-rounders, they go. Nine times out of ten. I know there are exceptions to that rule. Heck, Tim Duncan at Wake Forest tonight said no to the NBA three years in a row. He was a 40-year player for the Demon Deacons, and that was only, you know, two or so decades ago. There are examples of that. The huge majority of the time, you're told you get guaranteed millions, you leave. So, educated guess on February 19th, Vernon Carey leaves, Trey Jones leaves, Cassius Stanley leaves, Hurt and Moore stay. And, of course, Coach K has another star-studded recruiting class coming in. For those who don't follow such things, Roy Williams at Carolina and Mike Krzyzewski at Duke both have fantastic recruiting classes on the way. Now, Duke's goals moving forward are basically chasing championships, ACC title, NCAA title, whatever. There's no limit on what this year's Devils can do. Carolina, the bottom line would be, this is a one-year anomaly for Roy Williams. They are going to be good again next year. And even if some recruits don't live up to their four- or five-star status, Roy's got like five of them coming in as four- or five-star recruits. They're really, really good, and together with whatever Carolina returns, they'll be back where they usually are, which is in or near the top tier in the ACC. Kevin in Burlington has transfers on his mind. That was a headline while it was gone. The Big Ten had already said that it will vote as one of the power conferences in favor of a proposal that would allow all college athletes to transfer one time without a, a, the usual one-year sit-out penalty. Well, the ACC earlier this week made public that they, too, will vote in favor of that proposal. Some think it's going to turn into the wild, wild west and chaos, and if everybody transfers without penalty, we're going to go from already having annual records for the most transfers in the history of college sports to who knows how many more and increasing that number. I still think the good outweighs the bad, but there are a lot of folks that just don't want to give those college athletes that kind of freedom. Kevin in Burlington, go right ahead with your question or comment. Uh, thanks, Dave. Hey, before I get into the main reason of my call, I just want to give a shout-out to Childress. My memory of him is that at 95, I believe, ACC championship game where he really stuck it to us and the, and the Tar Heels, not just the last-second shot, but he lit us up that whole game. He was unbelievable as a veteran guard for the Deeks, man. I, I wish we could communicate to the younger folks. He was a stone-cold assassin of a shooter, of a, a sometimes distributor. He just had a swagger about him and a clutch gene about him that uh, on that Wake Forest ACC title team in particular, and the Deeks actually did win two in a row for Coach Odom in 95 and 96, 
he was a huge part. Tim Duncan did not leave the ACC title to lead that ACC title team in scoring. Randolph Childress did. He was a 20-point-per-game guy. How many of those do we have in the ACC right now? Do we have any? any maybe one? Um, Randolph was a machine in his college prime and certainly worthy of the uh, applause and s celebration that he and Coach Odom and the rest of those guys get tonight. Absolutely. Well, so just on the NCAA, the um, transference, you know, nothing drives me crazier than double talk and, you know, slash hypocrisy. And I think that's kind of what where this kind of falls into is, you know, kind of piggyback on what you already touched on. If these coaches and ADs and, you know, all these people, they have the right to move about. Look, as adults, we are constantly leaving relationships or jobs that we just find are not suitable for of us. Of course. Now, I, I ain't saying willy-nilly let them change school. And sure, it might be circumstantial. You know, things ain't going right. They're just bailing out. But maybe they just get into a situation. We all know kids go to places, and it ain't what it was cracked up to be. It ain't what they were promised. So for us to hold them accountable as kids to something as we as adults don't really follow to, to the T, I, I think it's asking a little bit much. And, you know, I'm tired of the NCAA being always so reactive and not pro proactive on things like even the thing you had a conversation with last week about the uh, getting paid for their likeness. Right. Something should have been done about that a long time ago instead of reacting to it now, and, and I don't feel sorry for the NCAA. No, the, 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 NCAA, the NCAA's track record for getting ahead of these issues is embarrassingly bad. You know, they don't quite wait until they're at the point of a bayonet, as the old saying goes, but, man, do they come close. It, 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 it's like when Congress threatens them, then they change a little bit. Or there's a huge public relations blitz where the NCAA is just vilified by this organization or that prominent media member or whatever. They change when they have to change is the bottom line. And the reality is I started covering college sports when there were no million-dollar coaches, and now we have $10 million coaches and million-dollar-plus coordinators. And as I said earlier, we're going to have a million-dollar strength coach soon. I mean, there's money coming out of the ears of the bigger schools. Part of the problem at the NCAA level is when you – when you adopt, this is not, of course, a financial rule. Allowing everybody to transfer once without penalty is more of a philosophical rule. But some of the other proposals are done with a one-size-fits-all mindset where the rich schools can't afford it and some of the other schools can't afford it. And that's why a lot of people have believed for a long time that the wealthiest leagues, however you define that, should supersede and basically form their own level, call it whatever you want, and have their own rules that apply to them. And those who are in love with the amateurism model can stick with the amateurism model at schools that simply don't make enough money to justify demanding wholesale changes in how stuff works, right? If there are 353 Division I men's basketball programs, right? So pick whatever number you like. Is it the top 70, 80, 90, whatever that are in a financial world where it's only fair to give young people more freedom and more dollars, right? Because the world has changed. And if coaches went from making six figures to sometimes eight figures, and you're still getting room board tuition, and now they call it the cost of attendance adjustment. Yeah, that is more, but it took forever for them to get cost of attendance adjustment. 
and in the bigger money schools, it's still not a perfect balance of money and freedom. At the very least, as you're only in small increments giving them a bigger slice of the financial pie, which was an important and very real step in the right direction, you should not give them the types of freedom where if you want to leave your school, you automatically have to sit out a year. To me, the world has changed enough that the rules have to change with them. When those rules were adopted, when a lot of the rules that we discussed were adopted, the world looked entirely different. Heck, half of them, a lot of the rules were adopted before black people and white people played college athletics together. That's how long ago a lot of these rules were adopted. So the, the world changes, the finance, finances change, the balance of power changes, and it, it, it no longer feels right or fair to me when you have too many restrictions on athletes, when, as you said, coaches, ADs, university presidents, we all, we all leave jobs when we want to leave jobs. And some will say, well, aren't we teaching young people to bail out at the first sign of adversity if we allow them to transfer without penalty? No. No, this is just the NCAA rule that makes you sit out. That doesn't mean mentors can't talk to a young person about the importance of fighting through adversity. That doesn't mean mom and dad can't talk to a young person about the importance of fighting through adversity. Sometimes a transfer is the right answer. Sometimes the transfer is because the young guy wasn't willing to fight for his playing time or whatever. But we shouldn't ask the NCAA to play God and determine, well, that transfer is okay and that transfer is not okay and this guy doesn't, isn't tough enough and this other guy, well, all the promises to him on the recruiting trail were broken so he might as well get a fresh start somewhere else. It's not one size fits all. So break the tie in favor of more freedom for more young people. And if transfer numbers go up as a result, I certainly am among those who can live with that. 1-800-849-2761. More of your phone calls on the other side. One week ago, one week ago, Louisville was first in the ACC standings and did not have a single bad loss on the entire season. Their only defeats were to teams like Florida State, Kentucky, and Texas Tech. Those are all really good college basketball teams. No embarrassment in losing to any of them. They go from three months of no bad losses to back-to-back -back bad losses to Clemson and Georgia Tech. Their player of the year candidate has stopped scoring. Their chemistry has gone out the window. Are they in crisis mode, the Cardinals, as they host Jim Beheim and his Syracuse team tonight? That's your 7 o'clock game on ESPN. The nightcap, of course, brings number 6 Duke to near the bubble NC State. The Wolfpack gets two shots later at high-profile opponents, but you might as well grab the one in front of you now. It is 22-3 Duke visiting a 16-9 NC State team that is a dead 500 in conference play at seven wins and seven losses. The Wolfpack tends to be tough to beat at home, but has laid an egg at home to UNC, laid an egg recently on the road against Boston College. Three swings at the NCAA tournament pinata for the Wolfpack in the rest of this regular season, starting tonight as they host the, the Duke Blue Devils. More of my thoughts on those matchups with more of your phone calls. NFL, MLB, Carolina Hurricanes, some leftovers from the day I missed yesterday. You could be next with your question or comment. Canes owner Tom Dundon joins us third hour. Rod Boone of The Athletic on the NBA, also third hour. Back to your phone calls on the other side. With John Beeline and the NBA's Cleveland Cavaliers parting ways, would any ACC or other college basketball team 
that may have a vacancy this spring be interested in his services back at the college level? My answer and thoughts with more of yours, 1-800-849-2761, next on The David Glenn Show. I made a reference to Mike Krzyzewski of Duke and his GOAT status. And I kid you not, I got angry emails. If I really wanted to insult somebody, I would include some kind of sentence about being in the bleeping prairie chewing on grass. This is The David Glenn Show. Welcome back to The David Glenn Show. One quick thing about Duke's trip to state tonight. Some of you have questions or comments about that one. Obviously, a lot on the line for the Wolfpack. The Devils want to keep up their winning streak. Seven in a row since those back-to-back -back losses at Clemson and then home against Louisville. Like Kansas and Baylor and Dayton and Gonzaga and Maryland and others around the country, I think the Blue Devils are playing some of their best basketball at exactly the right time. Now, you need to be doing it again two, three, four weeks from now. You can't hit a lull later. Louisville's in a lull right now as the Cardinals host Syracuse tonight. But when I look at the Wolfpack's week, and more is at stake, generally speaking, for State than Duke tonight, for example. When I look at this week, I like the Pack's chances against Florida State better than I like the Pack's chances against Duke. Why do I say that? Well, as we come to your calls, Patrick wants in on the NCAA transfer rules. I will answer why the Panthers couldn't do for Greg Olson their veteran three-time pro bowler, nine seasons in Charlotte tight end, what the New Orleans Saints just were able to do for 41-year-old quarterback Drew Brees. He announced, I think, uh, late yesterday or early today that he will play at least one more season. And, of course, although he's a free agent, he is going to do so for the New Orleans Saints, the franchise that helped make him famous. As we look forward as NFL fans to the scouting combine is next week in Indianapolis. So the college guys we know well will be on display and wherever you'd like to see your favorite team go in the NFL draft in April, perhaps you'll get a little bit more clarity as uh, these folks are face to face with each other in Indianapolis next week. The bottom line there, as we come to your calls and Duke State, Louisville, Syracuse and other college basketball, 1-800-849-2761. Drew Brees has given the New Orleans Saints hometown discounts. Drew Brees only wants to finish his career in New Orleans. The contract that he just finished included a below market, I really want to be here, I really want you to use the money to build around me. He's not the only one who's ever done that. Watch Tom Brady's contracts in New England. It is, yes, I want fair compensation, but you know what? My wife's a Brazilian supermodel, and at this stage of my career, we got a lot of money, and there are only so many Super Bowls out there waiting to be won as I'm now past the age of 40, and in Brady's case, well past the age of 40. So what do they do? They offer creative contractual structures to allow their teams to build around them more, and yes, at times, the hometown discount. I will charge you less because you like me and I like you and I want to stay here than I would ask for somebody else in the open market. Drew Brees is doing the same thing here at the age of 41 for, with the New Orleans Saints. When the Panthers and Greg Olson got together not long ago, remember the original announcement was they mutually agreed to part ways. Olson later said, well, it wasn't really, it wasn't quite as mutual as the Panthers made it sound. Why was it not quite as mutual? Well, because Greg Olson was scheduled to make almost $12 million against the cap. 
for a guy who's been injured a lot lately, I know that he had that three-year run as productive a pass-catching tight end in a three-year period as there's ever been in the history of the NFL. That's not an exaggeration. That did happen in a Panthers uniform. But hurt a lot lately, as many older players are, and scheduled to count almost $12 million against the cap. If there were any conversations saying, hey, Greg, we'd like to keep you but at a lower number, Greg Olson was not sounding like a guy at this stage of his career, very late, who would give a hometown discount. So if Matt Rule or David Tepper said to Greg Olson, man, we'd like to keep you around as part of this possible rebuild, but dot, 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 we can't pay you almost $12 million. Well, Greg Olson has a chance to be a little bit more flexible there. He was not in the way that Drew Brees was for the Saints. It wasn't even clear the Panthers wanted him even if he did agree to accept a pay cut. So in that sense, I guess it is mutual. You've seen by now, of course, that it was the Seattle Seahawks who stepped forward and signed Greg Olson to a, an amount of money that is more like what he is at this stage of his career. One year, $7 million. If the Panthers could have had him at that, maybe they would have kept him. Drew Brees and the Saints worked it out because it's an even longer relationship. It's a quarterback rather than a tight end. Yes, those things make a difference. And from Greg Olson's perspective, by the way, he visited two guys he knew really well. Sean McDermott's the head coach of the Buffalo Bills. Of course, longtime coordinator, defensive coordinator for the Panthers. And Ron Rivera, head coach in Washington. Those were the other two franchises that Greg Olson visited. If you were in his shoes, you don't know how many years you have left. Certainly one, but maybe that's the last one. Would you go with rebuilding Washington, no matter how much you might love Ron Rivera and he loves you, would you go with Sean McDermott and the Bills? I know they've been a playoff team lately, but are you sure that you can chase an elusive Super Bowl ring with the Bills? Or how about hooking up with Russell Wilson in Seattle, which has been a playoff team lately, a great quarterback compared to, say, uncertainty in Washington or even a young guy in Buffalo. You get a coach a lot of players like in Pete Carroll. You get a quarterback a lot of players like in Russell Wilson. Apparently, those guys have known each other. Cool uh, social media tweet by Danger Russ not too long ago. You get one, mere, one year, you get $7 million. Most of that is guaranteed. I think it's a win-win for Greg Olson. I know why he visited those three. I would have picked Seattle over those other two as well because, again, if you're chasing Super Bowl ring or playing time or starting role or whatever, Seattle gave you, I think, the best opportunity for all of the above. 1-800-849-2761. As we go to Patrick in Greensboro and you at that number, 1-800-849-2761, here's the bottom line. Louisville has an identity crisis right now and has been ailing defensively. Florida State, while brilliant, and again, coming to Raleigh on Saturday, is not an elite offensive team. If the Wolfpack can slow the Seminoles, the Wolfpack is good enough to beat the Seminoles. FSU plays ugly offense at times. You got to deal with Devin Vassell. He's their all-ACC player. But there's not another guy on Florida State's roster that you have to game plan for. I don't mean they don't have other dangerous players. They do. Their freshman forward, Patrick Williams, is actually a great example of a freshman who was not very bothersome in November and December. He was just like a blending-in guy. You could see his talent, but he was not yet making a big dent by ACC standards. Same dude, now in mid-February, North Carolina's own Patrick Williams looks more like a blossoming star 
for Leonard Hamilton. Still, he's not yet a dominating player that you have to game plan for. Trent Forrest, their senior point guard, is a good player. You got to think about him, but you don't have to game plan for him. Hosting Duke tonight is a whole different animal. You game plan on Saturday for Devin Vassell. You hope you're hitting State's offense when hitting on all cylinders is pretty darn good. Wolfpack usually has trouble slowing people more often than it has trouble putting up points on its own. The problem with Duke tonight is they're not easily exploitable in any way. Florida State will have the cold offensive night sometimes. Just cross your fingers that some of those threes don't go in. Sometimes it really is that lucky, that fortunate or unfortunate. Cross your fingers, have a game plan for Vassell, and if you're on offensively, you can spring the upset against Florida State. One of the things that makes Duke so exceptional, even compared to FSU and Louisville, is that they're elite offensively and they're elite defensively. And if Coach K wants to tough it out in the trenches, he says, hey, Trey Jones is an all-defense guy. This guy, Jordan Goldwire, is an all-defense guy. If, you know, if he got more minutes, he would be considered for such things. And if you want to just go, let's, let's let it fly, he's got Matthew Hurt hitting threes. He's got Cassius Stanley slashing to the basket. He's got Vernon Carey as an All-American big man. He's got an, a new and improved Trey Jones as a better offensive version of himself and still a great defensive player. He's even got Alex O'Connell sometimes hitting threes off the bench. Joey Baker sometimes hitting threes off the bench. Javin Delorier and Jack White are a little bit more like Goldwire, just shutting things down and grabbing rebounds and taking charges and harassing opponents. Everybody goes into a game hoping to find the weak link in the other's chain. Duke just doesn't have a weak link right now. Heck, Cassius Stanley was hurt, and you're thinking, oh, maybe you dodge one of the de Devils, I'd argue he's their third best player behind Vernon Carey and Trey Jones, whatever order you want to put those two in. Guess what? Like, like State needed another headache. It sounds like Cassius Stanley is coming back, last I saw, from his, I think it was an eye injury. He got, he got, uh, he got hit, actually, by a member of his own team in warm-ups. That sounds familiar, doesn't it? Happened to C.J. Bryce, and he was out for, like, what, four games and then wasn't himself for the Wolfpack when he finally returned from concussion-related issues. That really threw off track NC State's season back in late December. Duke has some uh, something similar, a weird pregame uh, injury, but Cassius Stanley, who missed the Devils' most recent game, last, last I saw again, is expected back against the Pack. I'm not saying it's impossible tonight, I'm saying if I'm a Wolfpack fan who knows we got to get one of these two this week or we're done, I like the chances Saturday against Florida State a lot better than I like the chances tonight against a Duke team that is sixth in the rankings. But to be honest, I couldn't find five teams that I like better heading toward March Madness than I like these Blue Devils. 1-800-849-2761. Tom Dundon owns the Carolina Hurricanes and was part of the group that helped lure the first outdoor hockey game to the southeastern United States ever from the NHL. The stadium series is coming to NC State's Carter-Finley Stadium next February, with the Canes, of course, hosting a still-to-be-announced opponent. Tom Dundon drops by live next hour. Rod Boone from The Athletic on the NBA. The All-Star break is just about over. Regular season action resumes tomorrow night. You can jump in with your question or comment. We've got baseball on our mind. The NFL, including what piece of advice from Andy Reid Ron Rivera received 
as his family was moving to Charlotte to D.C. They just finished that process, and there's a chicken soup for the sports soul detail that I will pass along on the other side. It'll make you feel better today as a sports fan, I promise. Louisville hosting Syracuse, Duke visiting near the bubble NC State. NCAA transfer rule is up for debate as well. The Carolina Hurricanes looked great last night, a 4-1 to win at Nashville with the players' mothers on hand. Hockey fans also know that we are approaching the 40th anniversary of the unforgettable USA over CCP uh, miracle on ice 40 years ago this month. More on that a little bit later, 1-800-849-2761. You can jump in with your question, comment, or complaint. I am happy to be back in the saddle and happy to take your call next at 1-800-849-2761 on The David Glenn Show. Dean in Wilmington, you're up on The David Glenn Show. The NCAA book on violations to say sick Superman has trouble carrying. This is true. However, it's not buried into the small print in the back that you're not allowed to drive luxury cars that aren't yours, okay? (laughs) Keep it here on The David Glenn Show. Welcome back to The David Glenn Show. One thing I promised... And more of your phone calls. Duke visiting near the bubble NC State tonight at College Hoops. Louisville hosting Syracuse. The Cardinals still right there near the top ten in the national polls, but ailing after back-to-back losses to Georgia Tech and Clemson. Set their season on a really weird path. Chris Mack is in crisis mode. Mike Krzyzewski is in pursuit of more championships with the Blue Devils. Jim Beheim will be the opponent for Mack tonight in Louisville. Kevin Keats is pursuing, of course, his second NCAA tournament bid in his three years with the Wolfpack. They're on the wrong side of the bubble by quite a bit right now. But if State can beat either Duke tonight or Florida State at home on Saturday, they at least get right back into all the right mixes in that regard. 1-800-849-2761 is your ticket into the program. What advice, what piece of advice from Chiefs head coach Andy Reid did Ron Rivera utilize as his family completed their move from Charlotte to the D.C. area. Now, you know Ron Rivera was hired by Washington long ago. He joined us as a guest here on the David Glenn Show not but a couple weeks ago, I think it was. Andy Reid and Ron Rivera, you may not remember, worked together on the same coaching staffs in Philadelphia when the Eagles were a perennial playoff team under Andy Reid as the head coach. Ron Rivera had all all sorts of different responsibilities on his staff. So they've been friends for a long time. They've kept in touch for a long time. And if I remember correctly, Ron Rivera, as a guest on our show, said specifically something that most coaches will not say, and that is he had a rooting interest at Super Bowl 54. And it really was nothing beyond the fact that he considers Andy Reid one of the nicest guys in the industry. He loved working for him. He's always rooted for him as their paths, of course, went in different directions long ago. And when it was the Chiefs with a chance to get that monkey off of Andy Reid's back forever, he's number six on the all-time wins list, but he's still never won a Super Bowl. Will he ever? Ron Rivera told us, among others, yeah, I'm I'm rooting for the Chiefs mainly because... I want to see Andy Reid get that ring. So what piece of advice did Reid give Ron Rivera long ago that Ron Rivera and his wife Stephanie utilized just this past weekend as they boxed things up in Charlotte and headed to take even more of their stuff up to D.C.? You know how moving can take a little while. Well, 
way back when Andy Reid was moving on as the head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles after more than a decade in that capacity. Ron Rivera, remember, almost nine seasons as the head coach of your Charlotte Panthers. Long ago, Ron and Andy had a conversation about the best way to go, and that included not only not burning bridges, remember how gracious Ron Rivera was at his departure press conference? Heck, if they don't like you, they don't even give you a departure press conference. Ron Rivera did get one of those. But Rivera also remembered from the Wayback Machine that Andy Reid and his family had a what? A yard sale. And Andy Reid and his family collected everything that they had, al- had not already given away that had, you know, in most cases, Philadelphia Eagles logos on it. In the end, Ron Rivera watched Andy Reid and Stephanie have that sale where they ended up raising, after 13 years of accumulating stuff with the Philadelphia Eagles, the wives kept saying, don't throw that away, don't throw that away, don't throw that away. That will mean something to somebody at some point, even if we're now wearing Kansas City Chiefs gear or whatever. We're not bringing us it with us, but don't throw it away. Don't throw it away. They raised about $30,000 and donated it to local charities in Philadelphia. Not a huge amount of money, but if you've ever run a small nonprofit, $30,000 to you can mean the difference between having another year of your nonprofit or not having that another year of your nonprofit. Similarly, Ron Rivera and his wife Stephanie decided to do the same. And this weekend, apparently in Charlotte, I missed this or I would have nominated it for best and worst of the weekend. Ron Rivera and his wife, Stephanie, put out more than 1,000 items that they accumulated in their nine years living in Charlotte. And they ended up donating, this time it was more than $30,000 in proceeds from their yard sale this Saturday in Charlotte. I don't know if it was invitation only or do you just kind of back your truck up to the Rivera's front lawn. I'm not sure how that worked. But the Humane Society of Charlotte was the beneficiary of the entire $30,237. And that amount is going toward a new campus and research facility for one of their favorite charities during their time in the Queen City. You know, their dog people, among other things, the Rivera's. Approximately 3,000 people stood in line for a look at the approximately 1,000-plus items. They could purchase everything from one of the countless T-shirts that Ron Rivera had made with various inspirational and promotional slogans to the military paraphernalia he, he acquired working with the USO of North Carolina to even down to the shoes that he wore on the sidelines as the Carolina Panthers head coach. It got larger when, and you'd have guessed that these guys would do that, Luke Keekley, Greg Olson, and Cam Newton learned of the Rivera's yard sale and decided to contribute their own items to help the Humane Society reach an even larger goal. That one is $15 million needed to repair a huge facility that they say has fallen into a bad state of disrepair. They did not raise $15 million this weekend, of course, but the Rivera's dogs were on hand and more than 1,000 people were sent away with something that made their weekend just a little bit better and something that allowed them to remember fondly nine mostly good years for Ron Rivera. He was fired, remember, with four games left to go in the 2019 season, but he did leave with two NFL Coach of the Year awards, a bunch of playoff appearances, 
and the title of winningest coach in Carolina Panthers history. It was a lot of stuff he said, but it was worth contributing to a great cause. Now they're really members of the D.C. community having packed up the boxes in Charlotte and contributed those to a good cause. You know, you know why we would never have that kind of yard sale in the Glenn family, Darren? Have you ever met anybody who is an anti-accumulator more than my wife? Yeah. Oh, have she you seen and I, this she, part of her personality? I have, and we've had specific conversations because she and I get along in many, oh, yeah. many ways. But this, the, in, in this way, we're very, very similar. I hate stuff. What's interesting is things. we all know the term pack rat, right? Because so many people just don't throw stuff away. In fact, if she signed her HIPAA disclosure, I will share that my daughter Avery is a pack rat. She can sue me if she didn't like <laughs> she's that. She's been diagnosed, that, which is that, the reason oh, for the she's HIPAA. a pack rat, <laughs> which may lead to the occasional mother-daughter clashes over Avery wanting to keep everything and Maria basically wanting to keep nothing. I've never seen is there if pack rat is a part of our culture as a term. Is there a, an antithesis to that? Is there another term for the other end of the spectrum? No. I Aren't there TV shows like based on pickers? <laughs> yeah. Like hoarders. Pick, hoarders. Hoarders is one. That's yeah. it. Pickers and hoarders like to visit pack rats, right? <laughs> yeah. Because they never get rid of something. Heck, they forget they have stuff. And sometimes the picker finds from the hoarder something the picker finds valuable. We might have a new reality TV show on our hands. I'm not sure. If we do, it'll never visit the Glen House. Why? Have you been down to our basement? We have a finished basement Yeah. that has an unfinished part. Like if you were a pack rat, our unfinished part of our basement would be your dream come true. It's like got a high ceiling. It's got massive square footage. If you were a pack rat, you just pile your stuff on top of each other. And I'm telling you, you could live there for 30 years and not run out of room. It's a pretty big house. Even that room, this, this is an area nobody ever sees. Even that room, Maria goes down and cleans out, usually without mentioning anything to me. And, you know, I can't find that old fraternity T-shirt anymore. And it's usually because, you know, spring cleaning has come and gone. Glad the Rivera's turned it into a lot of money for a great cause. We're back after this on the David Glenn Show. Mike Krzyzewski joining us. We asked folks you work with at Duke if you've changed or mellowed over the years. Well, you know, mellow is having a glass of wine and looking over, you know, the sunset, you know. <laughs> uh, I don't see how you can be mellow and coach a game. That can't happen. If it does, then you shouldn't be coaching. Keep it here on the David Glenn Show. Rod Boone covers the NBA and the Charlotte Hornets for The Athletic and The Athletic Carolina. He has written recently about the All-Star break. The Hornets placed there. Remember, Miles Bridges was an MVP of sorts. And where the Hornets go from here now that Marvin Williams, MKG, and other longtime players have moved on. Rod Boone on All Things Association next on The David Glenn Show. The David Glenn Show, where the great guests have so much fun, they never want to leave. I'll come give you a pep talk before your next show if you need me to. We could use that from you, Webb Simpson, anytime. Hey, I'll be your intern after this. Is everything open, man? We'll take Joe Harris as an intern every day <laughs> and twice on Sunday. Listen weekdays to The David Glenn Show.